0: Come in Welcome Welcome to Mystery Theater I am Hyman Brown With another tale of the macabre Macabre suggests the dance of death Death is a skeleton Who leads others to the grave in this story, a respected middle-aged man, Philip Chambers, becomes an agent for death because death placed in his hands a temptation he could not resist, avarice, one of the seven mortal sins. In the short space of three days, avarice and almost physical greed for wealth brought terror and disaster to this man and to his family.
2: Who are you? Where is it, Mr. Chambers? What are you doing in my basement? How did you get in here? Let's have it, Mr. Chambers. You don't want to get hurt, do you? This is a real gun. I've used it before. I know how to use it. Let him have it, Nick. Let's get out of here. Not until Mr. Chambers turns it over to us. How about it, Mr. Chambers? What is it you want? The money. 80 grand. It's ours. It's ours. And you've got it someplace down here. Now, turn it over.
0: Or I'll blow your head off. Our mystery drama, The Root of All Evil, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Roy Windsor and stars Norman Rose and Anne Shepherd. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Philip Chambers and his wife, Laura, live in a small colonial house in Morris Manor, a village 30 minutes from New York. Its streets are tree-lined and quiet. Families take pride in their homes and land. It's a wealthy village, and most families have gardeners, but not Philip Chambers. He's an organic gardener who enjoys grinding up all kinds of refuse for his compost heap and returning it to the soil of his acre of land. And that's where the trouble began. One Sunday morning at breakfast in their kitchen.
1: Now, Phil, please don't run that shredder of yours before 9 o'clock. Some people like to sleep on Sunday
2: morning. I know, I know.
1: I'll slick up the kitchen and you'll be back in time to clean up for church. You want the eggshells?
2: Certainly. Uh, what have you done with the scraps?
1: Oh, they're in the plastic bag. All the weak stuff. I put the bag in the garbage bin last night. It was beginning to perfume the back porch. Get rid of it.
2: My dear Laura, it will be ground to shreds within half an hour.
1: And don't get your fingers caught in that fool machine.
2: Ah, beautiful morning. Ah, let me see. yep. A large bag full of garbage. Better get the wheel back. What the? What the devil? Money. Packs of money. What? There must be thousands of dollars at the bottom of the bin. What? It's a fortune. It's a fortune. Where did it come from? What do I do with it? Hmm. Somebody hid the money there. But why? And whose is it? Phil? Uh, yes?
1: Joan Shelton just telephoned. It's in the news. I'm gonna go across to read the article.
2: Well, what's in the news?
1: The robbery. You were asleep when all the excitement happened. I'll bring back the newspaper clipping and I'll tell you all about it. I'll be right back.
2: Uh, the, the, the robbery? I'll
1: be right back.
2: Robbery? What robbery? I must get to the basement. Lord, I've, I've never held so much real money in my hands in all my life. Packs of hundred dollar bills, fifty in a pack. Let's see, ten of those. Oh, I can't believe it. Fifty thousand dollars and thousand dollar bills, thirty of them. Eighty thousand dollars. Oh. I'm rich. I'm rich. No more scrimping. No more fawning over persons for whom I have contempt, begging work as a freelance copywriter, people who don't know as much as I've forgotten. This money, this money means I am free. Oh, it's got to be hidden. Whoever left that fortune in the garbage bin will try to get it back. Laura said there was a robbery. Maybe the thief hid the money. Let's see where did I put it. Small box. First, I'll, I'll place the money in this plastic bag. And then into that box the iris bulbs came in. Let's see, and then where? Let me see. Ah yeah. Behind the basement window, under the porch. The siding runs to the ground. Oh, Eighty thousand dollars. That's mine. And I won't give it up. See? Uh, yes, Laura.
1: Can you come up here for a minute? Uh,
2: why, certainly.
1: Come on out on
2: the porch. I have that article. Uh, Laura, there was a robbery. Read. Uh, two a.m. Grove City Police. hmm mm-hmm. Raced after three men in a hmm, crashed when they made a sharp turn at McKinley Street and Highland Avenue in Morris Manor. Why that? Laura, that's our corner.
1: And you slept right through the whole thing. Yeah, I must have. The sound could have wakened the dead. The police car was blasting its siren. Then there was a terrible crash when the robber's car hit old Mrs. Morris's elm tree and turned upside down. And one of the men was dead.
2: Huh. Uh, and, and the other two, you, you said there were three.
1: Must have got away. All of us had run outside, Dr. Shelton and Joan and I and the Moors and the McLeods. But the police told us... To get back to our houses, they had their guns out, and they were searching for the missing men.
2: Uh, how much do they get away with?
1: Thousands, thousands of dollars, as much as seventy-five or eighty thousand. They tied up the night watchman and broke into the Grove City Federal Bank. Some alarm went off, so the police reached the bank just as the robbers jumped into their car and they came tearing along this way. The police were right after them.
2: You know that that was a nice elm tree of Missus Moore's
1: is that all you've got to say that was a nice elm tree of mrs moore's this is the most exciting thing we've had around here since the hurricane esther and you're worried about mrs moore's elm tree you have got no adventure in your soul phil <laughs> that's all right you did have now the two of us are staid old middle-agers getting by and letting the world go by
2: i suppose so laura
1: Oh, you're not offended, Phil? No, no, of
2: course not. My future's behind me, I'm afraid.
1: No, it's not. You've done so much. You've written so many great advertising campaigns. Your skill hasn't worn away. You'll see. I'm certain it'll... It'll go well tomorrow.
2: I hope so. But, Laura, face it, I'm 55. My lunch date and interview tomorrow is with a 26-year-old girl, almost fresh out of college. (laughs) Laura, I'm old enough to be her father. Why would she want to employ me? I'd be an embarrassment to her because I... but because I know too much.
1: I don't see why. Well, you have to finish with your shredding, and I've got a dress for church.
2: Well, uh, I decided not to use the shredder this morning.
1: Oh? Not enough garbage and refuse?
2: Oh, no, no. Uh, all the excitement about last night has unnerved me. I'll get to the shredder next week.
1: I'll be out of the shower in a few minutes. Well, don't hurry.
2: I, I have some things to do in the basement.
1: Oh, look, I've asked Dr. Shelton and Joan to come by at six for cocktails on the porch. All right?
2: Huh? Oh, sure, sure, it's fine. Look a gift horse in the face. There's an old chestnut. When someone makes you a present, don't look too minutely into its intrinsic value. Eighty thousand dollars. That's some gift horse. Or is it? No. No, no, it's stolen money, which I propose to steal. I hope it's safe behind that basement window. I better lock the garage, put that bag of garbage back in the bin, and then church. Mm -hmm.
1: Glass is empty, Doctor. Oh,
2: two is my limit on a Sunday night, Laura.
1: Joan? Oh, all right. I'm not operating at seven in the morning. (laughs) Phil? Phil?
2: Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, yes, dear.
1: Joan would like a refill. Your mind's a million miles away.
2: I'm sorry, Joan. Now, that was with water, right?
1: Please. Paul, what do you think, really? I mean about that robbery and the disappearance of the two men.
2: Well, after looking at the car, Laura, I wonder how they came out of the accident alive.
1: But they did. It's remarkable. And they disappeared with all that money. Almost a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, not quite that much, but a small fortune.
3: How could they have escaped the police? (gasps) Maybe they're still hiding right in
1: this neighborhood. Here's your drink, John. Thank you. They could be in hiding. Don't you think so, Paul?
2: I can't imagine where.
1: Someone's basement or attic. The Waynes are away for the month. Yes, they're they're at Candlestick Lake for a month.
2: Well, surely they notified the police that they'd be away. Are there other vacant houses in the neighborhood, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. The Murrays went away for the weekend to visit their son at Cass. So it's possible that the thieves could be hiding right around here.
2: Well, my guess is that they stole somebody's car and got themselves lost in the city.
1: With $80,000 of hard-earned money.
2: Well, insurance will cover the bank's loss. Joan, my dear, I'm afraid it's time for the doctor to get to bed. What time? Oh my! Dear, it's
3: late.
1: It's ten o'clock. We came over here for cocktails. We stayed for salad and rolls. <laughs> I'm delighted you did. Phil's been fidgety all day long. Your visit took his mind off his problems, didn't it, Phil? Hmm?
2: Oh yes, yes. I'm very happy that you came over. Don't work so hard, Phil. You have seemed preoccupied. Relax. Or uh, has the chatter about the mysterious robbers upset you? <laughs> oh, oh heavens, no, no. This is the house Yeah Hold the light When I get the cover off Stick the light inside the can way in And then Turn it on Okay Creepy out of here Flash the light In the bottom of the can See anything? No Scrounge around It's not there gotta be there somebody beat us to it what dirty shut up mike dead and 80 grand gone someone's got it maybe the garbage don't be stupid there's no garbage pickup on sunday well maybe the people in the house seen it and caught the fuzz maybe or maybe they kept it you get kind of a surprise you open a garbage can and find 80 grand right on i wonder who lives here we gotta find out if he's got the money, we'll sweat it out of him. But if he gave it to the cops... That we find out first. You You're crazy? We walk in and ask if they found the money, we'd be in the can in five seconds. You ever heard of the telephone? That's how we find out. And when we know, we come back. I'll put the light away. I'll put the cover back on the can. Right. Then let's get out of here. Them bugs that go croak give me the shakes.
1: Phil, Phil, is is that you? Uh, what it's, is it, Laura? Are you still awake? What's what's the, what's the matter? Can't you sleep? Is it cold on the porch? I'll get you another blanket. No,
2: no, no I'm, I'm 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 all right. Go go back to bed, Laura.
1: Your voice is shaking. Let me turn on the light. No, no, please. Come into the bedroom. Phil, I'll turn on the light Phil You're soaked with perspiration What is it? Let me get your robe Where do you feel ill? What, stomach? stomach? Your head? Sit down on the rocker You look ghastly <clears throat>
2: Laura, m- maybe if I if, if I had a brandy.
1: I'll telephone Paul. Schilden.
2: No, 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 please. He's 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 operating at seven. I'm, I'm just got a chill or something.
1: wipe your face with a wet cloth and I'll be right up.
2: I heard them. Every word. They're coming back. Killers. Oh, what shall I do? Is it too late to call the police and turn in the money? Maybe not. But give up $80,000 because I'm afraid of a pair of hoodlums? What have I got to be afraid of? Say they confront me. I, I, I tell them that I haven't got the money. Would they risk shooting me? No, I won't give up that money. I won't.
1: Here's the brandy, sweetheart.
2: Oh, thanks, thanks. That helps.
1: Phil, when I walked through the living room to the bar on the porch... Yes. Two men were staring from behind the front hedge through the living room window. Phil, I'm afraid.
0: Philip Chambers is already a harried man. Will his sense of moral values be strong enough to overcome temptation, or will he persist in holding on to the stolen money? We'll find out when Mystery Theatre returns with Act Two. Philip Chambers and his wife Laura somehow got through the remainder of the night. After Laura's fright about seeing two men stare through her living room windows, Philip in a brave display turned on the front lights and walked outside defiantly, a fireplace poker in his hand. That assured Laura, but she insisted on telephoning the police and reporting what she had seen. Then the Chambers went to bed and to a fitful sleep. The next morning, over coffee...
1: You all right, Phil? You look pretty ragged. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm all right. I'd better be.
2: I'm seeing that girl at noon and going to lunch. Mm
1: -hmm. You taking the train?
2: Uh, The 10.05.
1: Darling, you're a bundle of nerves. Phil, why?
2: You keep telling me that, Laura, and that hardly helps. Look, I wish you'd just forget about me. I've got a lot on my mind. I, if you'll excuse me.
1: I'm sorry, Phil. I'm sorry, but you worry me. Is something bothering you that I don't know about?
2: Survival.
1: Survival. We're not that bad off. We're doing all right.
2: Look, I'll be in the basement.
1: Well, I'll drive you to the train. Don't
2: bother. I'll call a cab.
1: But that's foolish. One minute you're talking about survival, the next minute you're throwing away money out on a cab. Laura,
2: just stop talking, will you, please?
1: It's so strange. Let's come over here. Let's wait to Dr. Shelton. Maybe he can find out. Five. Four. Five. Seven. Dr. Shelton's
3: residence.
1: Hi, Joni. Laura! Yeah. Um, look, when does Paul get home from the hospital?
3: This is Monday and he operated early, I say, uh, I ought to be home by four. Why? Something wrong?
1: I think so. But I don't know. Uh, it's Phil. do tell you what? He's, uh, taking the 10.05 to the city. Can you come over at 10.30? I'll be back then and I-, I gotta talk this out. Of course. You sound serious. I am, I am. Will you come over? Of
2: course. I'll see you at 10.30. There, that ought to be safe Who'd think of looking behind a basement window and under the porch Oh, oh, I got the shakes Uh, Why don't I take the money with me into the city? I I could leave it in a locker at Grand Central If the police find the money in my possession Oh, no, no, I've got to bluff my way out of this $80,000 into my hands. I can't give it up. Now, look, I I mustn't be afraid. Oh, my stomach keeps turning. I still have that lunch meeting.
1: You look as if you hadn't slept a wink last night, Laura. I didn't. At about three o'clock, Phil was awake. He came up late and slept on the upstairs porch. I heard him stirring, so I checked on him he was covered with perspiration, shaking like a leaf. And how was he this morning? Well, he looked exhausted, but he didn't have the shakes. He was all right when I dropped him at the train. Well, he has that important lunch today, doesn't he? Could that be it? It could be, but I don't think so. Phil's had summit meetings before. No, it's something else. I can't find out what it is. Maybe Paul can. Maybe. Paul's not a psychiatrist. Yes, he's just I know, a... I know, but he's a doctor and Phil might confide in him. Besides, Paul's his best friend.
3: But Phil wouldn't say what was bothering him.
1: No. When I persisted in my questions, he said survival. Well,
3: that's odd.
1: <laughs> what did he mean? Continuing to live, to stay alive? I think it has something to do with the robbery of the Grove City Bank. Oh.
3: Laura, for heaven's sake,
1: why? What's that got to do with Phil? Well, ever since I mentioned the robbery to him, Phil seemed distracted. When he read the article in the news, he grew tense. He began to perspire. I didn't think anything of it at the time. But since what's happened, I've been trying to reconstruct Phil's behavior. I think it springs somehow from the robbery. I've never been so frightened in my life. Laura. I went down for Brandy when he felt so badly. I didn't switch on the lights. I walked down the stairs from the bedroom and across the living room toward the porch. And that's when I almost screamed. Good heavens, what happened? Two men standing behind the hedge in front of the living room windows and looking in. What? Looking through your windows? You think that the stolen money was... Or is somewhere around your property? I don't know what to think. Have you told the police? I telephoned them last night, and they sent a prowl car to snoop around. Well, did you mention your theory to the police? I mean, about the money being hidden somewhere around your house? No. First, it sounds far-fetched. Second, I've got a feeling that somehow it concerns Phil. How could it
3: concern Phil?
1: You mean, he may know where the money is hidden... I don't know what I mean, Joan. (laughs) Talk about
3: imagination. Laura, you're as bad as Phil with his talk about survival. He has a bad case of nerves and... Survival?
1: He said he was worried about survival. Now, isn't that the word you said? Yes, that's the word he used. I thought he meant our survival. But what if he meant... He was afraid, literally, of his own survival. That would mean he knows something about the robbery that he's not telling. But you don't believe that he found the money, do you? I don't know. But if he did, knowing Phil, the kind of man he is, he'd just have called the police. No question about it. And he would have told me. Oh, excuse me. Back doorbell. I'll be right back, Joan. Take your time. I'll be out on the porch.
2: morning. I'd like to read the water meter.
1: Oh, uh, down the steps to the basement and watch your head. The ceiling's low.
3: The garden looks wonderful, Laura.
1: Yes, it does. Phil takes such great pride in it. Laura, if
3: Phil meant he's afraid about his own survival, then I think he knows something. Either he saw the men who stole the money and can identify them, or he
1: knows where the money is hidden. That I can't believe. If Phil knew that, I'd know it. And you just said Phil, being the kind of man he's always been, would return it. Yes. Well, maybe Paul can drag it out of him. (laughs) Whatever it might be. I'm worried sick. I have a premonition of... Of danger or to a tragedy. Something in the air. A sense of impending evil. Hello. Laura.
3: Something's occurred to me. What, Joan? I was on your porch at ten thirty and the doorbell rang. Who was it?
1: Well the the man who uh, reads the water meter, why?
3: he didn't come to my house. And when a man comes from the water department, he reads the meters at all the houses in the neighborhood. Yes, he does. And another thing. I went shopping at noon, and as I drove out of my driveway, a man walked out from the back of your house. Did someone else call on you?
1: No. You mean that uh, the man who read the meter was in my basement from 10.30 until noon?
3: Some man was, but he wasn't a man from the water department.
1: Well, then we're... We're right. The stolen money's around here someplace, and the man was one of the thieves. That's what I think.
3: Has Phil returned from New York?
1: No, no, and it's, it's after five. Well, you
3: shouldn't be in that house alone until we get to the bottom of this strange situation. Uh, Paul got stuck with another emergency operation. He won't be home until quite late. Oh, but I'll send him by after I tell him everything we think.
1: Oh, but the, the poor man'll be exhausted. No, no, no. Why I'm don't? Not exhausted.
3: He'll be by to see Phil and then you come across to see me, all
1: right? Phil, thank you, Joan. Oh, uh, there's the front door. Phil?
2: Here I am, all in one piece.
1: It's, uh, it's Phil. He sounds a little tipsy. I'll see you later, Joan.
2: Goodbye. I'm on the porch, honey. (laughs) You'll excuse me for having had one more than I I should have had. Uh, After lunch... uh...
1: Well, you don't have to explain, darling. I take it you, uh... Didn't get the assignment?
2: Uh, How did you know that? (laughs) You got second sight or something?
1: Or something. Was it unpleasant?
2: No, no. About as I expected. Nice girl. (laughs) Young enough to be my daughter. Uh, She had white wine and I had a few martinis. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh, dear. Oh, dear.
1: So you proceeded to lord it over the young woman
2: who sips white wine. Lord it over? No, that's not so. We got talking about what I'd be doing as a consultant in copy. Now, I know something about copy, Laura.
1: Yes, you do.
2: Me begging for a job. I used to run that joint before that kid was out of Dr. Denton's. Can't be 26. I was about 30 when she was born.
1: Let me fix you a cup of coffee. I
2: don't want any coffee you say that I'm bombed, Laura? Well, I'm not. I never felt better. I just had lots of things on my mind.
1: Including the robbery of the Grove City Bank? Robbery? Do you know who the men are who robbed the bank, Phil?
2: Me? Well, how would I know? I never saw them in my life. Say, what is all this?
1: Remember the two men I saw looking in through the living room window this morning at 3 a.m.? Yeah. What were two men doing looking through the window, Phil?
2: Uh, Well, search me.
1: We think they had hidden the stolen money and were looking for it.
2: We? Laura, who is we?
1: Joan and me.
2: Have you been talking this over with Joan?
1: Why not? She's my best friend and Paul is
2: yours. You and Joan turned amateur detectives, huh? Haven't the two of you got anything better to talk about than that robbery?
1: Frankly, no. Because ever since you heard about it, you haven't been Philip Chambers.
2: Oh, and who have I been? A
1: nervous wreck. And you're making a nervous wreck out of me. Tell me honestly, Phil. Do you know anything about the men who committed the robbery? Do you know who they are? Do they hide the money on our property? Are you in danger, danger of survival?
2: Lots of questions.
1: Give me some answers, Phil.
2: What are you so worked up about, Laura? This is a police matter. Just, just leave it to the police.
1: I've notified the police.
2: What? last night
1: and again today a man came to the house and said he wanted to read the water meter he wasn't from the water company he was in our basement for almost an hour and a half i see what what do you see
2: well well maybe you're right I I don't know anything about any of this, but you you just might be right. Maybe the thieves did hide that money around here. I better check.
1: Let's have the police do the checking.
2: Now, don't you worry about me. I'll just look around.
1: Phil, are you in danger?
2: Now, nothing's going to happen to me. It's getting dark outside. It's starting to rain.
1: I'll be across the street with Joan. Mm.
2: Hello, Mr. Chambers. What? who are you? Where have you got it, Mr. Chambers? What are you doing in my basement? How did you get in here? Let's have it, Mr. Chambers. You don't want to get hurt, do you? This is a real gun. I've used it before. I know how to use it. Let him have it, Nick. Let's get out of here. Not until he turns it over to us. Now, how about it, Mr. Chambers? What is it you want? The money, 80 grand. It's ours, and you have it someplace down here. Now, turn it over
0: or I'll blow your head off. Avarice is like quicksand. Once you've taken the first risky step, you cannot save yourself from its grasp. Philip Chambers may lose his life unless he gives up what is not rightly his. He has everything to lose, nothing to gain. Or has greed so infected his mind that he will look down the barrel of a revolver and believe that he can stop a bullet with his beautiful dream of a fortune and the security it will give him? Mystery Theater will return shortly with Act Three. Philip Chambers found $80,000 at the bottom of his garbage bin. Despite a lifetime of ethical exactitude, Mr. Chambers didn't hesitate a minute before deciding that fate had dropped a rich token into his deserving hands. He kept the money stolen from the bank in Grove City, but the thieves also want the money. I'm waiting, Mr. Chambers. I don't know
2: what you're talking about,
0: and I want you out of here. (laughs) He's
2: going to be tough, Stud. You want me to soften him up? Not yet. Stud here is pretty good at making a guy talk, Mr. Chambers. Now, we don't want to hurt you, so just turn over the money and we'll run along. I haven't got your money. We're wasting time, Nick. You got it, all right. We hid it in the garbage can last Saturday night. You found it Sunday morning and hid it, because when we came back for it, it was gone. Now, where have you got it? If you think that there's money down here, you're crazy. If there were, why didn't you find it? You were down here for an hour and a half this morning. I'm getting impatient, Mr. Chambers. If you don't turn over that money in one minute, stud, to will go to work on you. You wouldn't get away with it. You think I'm going to stand here and do nothing while that gorilla comes at me? Now, look, I've got a pair of pretty good fists, and I'll yell my head off. Oh, let me get at this guy, Hold it, Nick. hold it. I have a better idea. We'll kill his wife. How'd you like that, Mr. Chambers? I wouldn't mind killing you. We don't care about you, but we care about the money. And with you dead, we still haven't got it. But we intend to get it because you're going to give it to us. Now, you have it for us by midnight. You leave it next to the garbage bin. We'll pick it up, and then Mrs. Chambers will be all right, and you'll be all right. Otherwise, you'll have only yourself to blame. Uh huh. What's to prevent me from calling the police? You won't do that, Mr. Chambers. If you don't have the money outside by midnight, I'll tell the police you have the money. You think they'd believe you? Your tip against my word and my reputation? We got confidence in the police, ain't we, Nick? That's right. They'll break you down, Mr. Chambers. We have our way, they have theirs. And you'll slip up. Maybe not right away, but soon. But it won't get to the police, you know why? Because if the money isn't there tonight... We take care of your wife tomorrow. He ain't kidding, mister. So why don't you give us the money now and save all the sweat? If I had the money that you're talking about, I would see you in hell before I gave it to you. Stud. (laughs) (laughs) You're still pretty fast, Stud, my boy. (laughs) He was wide open. Now let's get out of here. And we'll watch the house. It might be an interesting few hours. Good night, Mr. Chambers. Laura,
3: it's inconceivable to me that Phil might have all that money. Phil?
1: <laughs> My impression is that Phil's the kind who always returns the change if a waiter's made a mistake. Yes? But, Joan, imagine having not change, but $80,000 in your hands no phil's always been scrupulously honest but he thinks about money all the time the expenses where's the money coming from to pay them he reviews our situation almost every day well that's fear sure of course it is but he's only 55 we have money not much but enough to get by on so once in a while phil manages to relax not for long there's always an unexpected expense It throws his calculations out the window, and then he starts to fret. And when he frets, he begins to feel sorry for himself.
3: I never realized he was that upset.
1: Well, he'd never show it to his friends. He's too proud for that. Imagine what he must have felt when a fortune drops into his hands. You've convinced yourself that Phil does have that money, haven't you? Well, it's the only explanation I can give for his weird behavior. If anything happened to Phil... I know. I know Wait a minute. I think I hear the car. If it's Paul, we'll send him
3: across the street to Phil right away. Oh, give the poor doctor a few minutes to relax. And relax after he questions Phil. Then maybe all of us will be able to relax.
2: Tell me about it, Phil. I... I'd rather not, Paul. I find your front door open. I walk in and call hello... No answer I find you in the basement Sitting with your head in your hands Covered with perspiration Shaking as if you had a fever And you won't tell me about it After all, I am a doctor, Phil I... I just can't Your face is swollen You've been crying But that doesn't entirely account for the swollen face, does it? No Did you fall down? Or walk into something? Paul, I... I got knocked out Ah. Interesting. Ready to spill the beans? I don't know how I can bring myself to it, Paul. I'm a good listener. Uh, mind if I fix myself a drink? No, no, of course not. Forgive me for not offering you one. You want one? Uh, yeah, a small one. I I had enough at luncheon this afternoon to, to shrivel my liver to the size of a raisin. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was your excuse? Well, I, I didn't get that consultant's job. Here you are. Yeah. thanks. Well, that's hardly the end of the world, Phil. No, no, it isn't. Imagine being interviewed or approved of by a 26-year-old girl with stringy hair and no brassiere. Gee, I felt like a captive of the youth army. So it wasn't the lunch and the unpleasant interview that put you into a stew. Oh, no, it wasn't unpleasant, just stupid. So your annoyance drove you from lunch. Where? Biltmore Bar? Your club? Yeah, the club. I sat at the bar, and the bartender listened. Ha-ha, poor man. Here's to all bartenders, the unlicensed psychiatrists or priests to an unending line of confessors. All right, my friend. Stop eating around the bush. Do you have that stolen money? I... I... Yes. We thought so. I found it. Sunday morning in the garbage bin. I I was going to use my shredder, so I I went to the garbage bin and... Well, there it was. And you decided to keep it? $80,000. Paul, you don't know what that could mean to me and Laura. Sure I do. Fear, guilt, self-destruction. Look what's happened to you, Paul, in just 24 hours. You're a bundle of nerves. You lost the possibility of a good job. And you've been knocked on your can by a hoodlum who probably wouldn't hesitate to shoot you down like a mad dog. Oh, they mean business, Paul. I don't doubt it. Where is the money? Well, it's... it's in a box, wrapped in a plastic bag, behind that basement window that opens out under the porch. Get it for me. What? Bring me the box of money. You? Me. I want it, and I want it now. I'll get my car and turn the money into the police. Oh, but Paul, what do they think? You see, I... I've held out on them. Laura will be disgraced. I can't face my friends after they hear that I held the money for two days. I'm your friend and you faced me. The others don't need to know. I found the money in my garage. Oh, I don't know, Paul. These are tough guys. They may try something on you. You mean mug me? Or worse. They said they'd be back for the money at midnight. If it wasn't outside by the garbage bin, they'd, they'd get Laura. Dirty thugs. Oh, look, maybe I should do what they ask. And let Berman like that get away with an $80,000 theft. Never. That money belongs in the hands of the police and then the bank. You get the box. I'll get my car. And don't dawdle.
1: It's Paul. He's not coming to the door. Where's he going? The driveway. What in the world is he... He's backing out Is What's going on? He's parking in front of the house and walking to the door. Laura, you don't suppose... I don't he... know what's going on. If Phil has the money made, maybe he'll give it to Paul and... Joan, look. Phil's handing Paul some kind of package. That must be it. And Paul's returning to his car. Laura, two men have come out from behind your hedge. Look. They're sneaking up on Paul. One of them has a gun. Oh, no.
3: Paul,
2: Paul, no. Oh. They're going to shoot Paul. Get the package, stud. Okay. Keys are in his hand. Come on. Get going, Nick! That dame's gonna
1: wake the whole town! Oh, my God. Phil! Phil! Phil!
2: Where are you? I'm on the back porch. What's all the excitement?
1: Two men. One of them. One of them shot Paul. What? Paul! Paul's been uh, shot. He's lying in the street. Oh, Paul. Phil, wake up! Can't you get it through your head? A man shot Paul. They stole his car and got away. Do something.
2: Call the police. Paul. Shot. He was here. We had a good talk. Paul's my friend. My best friend. He's a good doctor, too. Nobody shoots a good doctor. Nobody shoots a doctor. Paul. Sure. darling you
1: look so odd your eyes they're blank like those of a statue Joan he's lost his mind Phil sit down What was in the package?
2: Package.
1: I know what was in it. But I don't... I don't want to know. It may have left one man dead and my husband worse off than dead.
0: I'll be back in a moment with a final thought. The phrase, the root of all evil, has echoed down the corridor of time because this man covets what another man has. Civilization has never been able entirely to constrain greed. Philip Chambers almost cost his best friend his life. Almost. Dr. Sheldon had been shot in the back, but he survived. Philip however, became an instant vegetable. And weeds overgrew his mind, choking out any hope of a return to normal life. When so well educated a man as Philip Chambers can succumb to greed, beware. Our cast included Norman Rose, Anne Shepherd, Elliot Reed, Marion Seldes, and George Petrie. Associate Director Marlon Swing. This is Hyman Brown, producer-director, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, then... Pleasant dreams.